0: Hey everyone, welcome to a new feature of the Sunday Stroll Podcast, a little something we like to call journals. In these episodes of the pod, Cody and I will personally share our stories of some of the most memorable golf experiences we've ever had, from great rounds to tournament memories and viewing experiences and more. This week's journal is taken from an article that I wrote for the Noah Farms blog entitled, The Course That Raised Me which is an ode to Sycamore Springs in Wilburton, Oklahoma, where I grew up playing and learned how to play the game and now found myself playing along with my kids. Thanks for listening to Sunday Stroll, and we hope you enjoy this journal. It was the widest, most open expanse of green I had ever seen. I was 11 years old, and we were headed west on Craven's Road to Wilburton from our new house in the country to get groceries, I didn't know there was a golf course in town, but I knew now. Acres of short grass dotted with red flags on stark white flag sticks. Come to find out, it had a name, too. Sycamore Springs. A retired friend from my church, Bill Garner, mentioned one Sunday that he played there, and I was determined to learn more. I sent word to my Uncle Pat in Florida that I had taken an interest in the game, and the course a few miles down the road, and when he and my Aunt Emily arrived the following summer, he brought an enormous leather Arnold Palmer touring bag filled with spalding blades, various persimmon woods, and an array of homemade putters. Pasquale, which was his real full first name, was quite the inventor in his day. He also delivered a five-gallon bucket of golf balls, mostly Balata, and so I guess he was quite the player as well. For the next year, I learned the game with those hand-me-down clubs that felt like they weighed 12 pounds apiece and golf balls that spun like a tiny hamster was inside each one, running furiously in every direction. I hit ball after ball into the small pasture next to my grandparents' house, occasionally blasting a driver into the woods beyond, never to be seen again. When the summer of 1991 arrived, I felt like I was ready to hit the course for the first time. I talked my dad into taking me and we paid $15 for nine holes in a cart. Dad hadn't played since he and my mom had visited Pat Nimalu on their honeymoon in June 1977, and he came out of retirement to hit one shot on the first tee. It sailed right over the road and out of bounds, and Dad hasn't hit a golf ball in the 31 years since. Now I stepped onto the first tee at Sycamore Springs, high above the first fairway, wide and inviting, albeit with a pond on the left and that pesky out of bounds running the length of the right side. I teed up a Titleist tour ball and drew back with my Spalding persimmon driver and proceeded to crank my first ever regulation golf course drive down the right side, hugging the fence line in bounds by about two yards. There's nothing to this game. Every time I visit Sycamore Springs, I'm transported back to that day. You see, not much has changed in the 30 years since my first time around the course. I don't say that as a slight. Rather, it's one of the endearing qualities of Latimer County's only golf course. I can stand in places and hit shots I hit as a kid. I can watch my son, now the same age that I was, when I first walked those fairways, try to maneuver his way around the course. Some of my favorite views are still there. The imposing tee shot over the creek on the par 3 third, which is still intimidating as ever. The right-to-left bender with the centerline cedar tree on the par 4 5th, which is the best hole on the course in my opinion, the giant sycamore tree in the 8th fairway that remains the spot that everyone tries to hit toward to prove they can hit it as far as a pros. For those that talk of driving farther to play a quote-unquote better course, I would say you haven't yet uncovered one of the best-kept secrets of this place. Every hole is different. I've played courses that receive rave reviews from golfers, publications, and social media outlets that in reality have three or four distinct holes, with the rest being bland, forgettable uses of real estate. But no hole at Sycamore is like another, and the fact that there are only nine of them means that there's not enough room on the property for too many holes to exist that would cause you to forget one or another. Hole one is the epitome of the handshake hole. Hole two is a gentle dogleg in the perfect shape for the amateur golfer. Hole three is a challenging par three over a chasm of a creek that might as well be a bottomless pit out of Dante. Four is the hole where the architecture forces your hand. You can either curse the fact on the tee that the driver isn't really an option, or you can hit the shots the architect is asking you to hit. Hole five, like I said before, is my favorite with the center line tree and the creek up the entire right side to the best green site on the property. And when I was younger, the members tried to build a bunker on the right side of the green, but it quickly overgrew and became part of the green itself. Six is the shortest par three on the course, but it's a blind tee shot with trouble everywhere, and I mean everywhere around the green. Hole seven is about as straightforward of a par five as you can get, but here it's all about the angles. If you're in the wrong spot off the tee, it becomes increasingly difficult to navigate the approach over the remains of a pond in front of the green. Eight is a beast of a par five, even if it's only 513 yards because the premium here is on threading the needle of trees and then hitting the proper approach into an elevated green and often into the prevailing wind. And you can spare me the diatribes on the whole par threes as finishing holes take. Nine at Sycamore Springs will strike fear into the hearts of even the most seasoned golfers. Uphill into the wind to a green that feels as though it's perched on the edge of the world. I don't remember what I shot that day in 1991, but one shot I do remember was the one that hooked me for life. The ninth hole has trouble lurking everywhere. Trees and tall grass on the right, out of bounds, long and cedar trees everywhere, guarding the green like sentinels determined to repel any would-be invader. My tee shot was the amateur special, a slice that started at the middle of the green and ended up in the junk about 40 yards to the right of the hole with the green a good 15 feet above my head. As I trudged down the hill to find my ball, I had in my hands the only club I had taken to to using to get out of trouble. It was a 60-degree northwestern sandwich with an enormous amount of bounce and a sole that looked a foot wide. But I had learned to hit a flop shot when I had enough grass beneath the ball, one that popped up in the air and landed like a cat falling from a tree. I took the club back, dropped it right behind the ball, and it exploded from the rough a mile high before dropping onto the green. I couldn't see where it landed. I only knew that it had to be on the green. So I raced up the hillside to see how good a shot it had been, only to discover that the ball was nowhere to be found. My first thought was that it flew farther than I expected and that it had gone long into the swimming pool behind the green. But as I walked across the green to look, I stopped to peek in the hole and sure enough, there it was for an improbable birdie to end my first trip around the first course that I had ever played. This is what Sycamore Springs is to so many, a scrapbook of golfing memories. The generation of men and women who crafted these greens with their own hands are survived by their grandchildren and great-grandchildren who watch putts roll on those same greens. I can stand on the 5th tee and still hear the words of my cousin Philip who visited us in the summers of my youth cursing that cedar tree had no place in the middle of a fairway that was quote devoid of anything resembling grass. And here it was that I played in my first tournament, the club championship in 1997 where an older gentleman watched me swing a club and said, you got a nice swing, let's put you in the A flight. And it was in that flight that I shot 99 and decided that college golf was not in my future. When I wrote this, it was late winter. And if you drive by the course on any given day, you won't see a field of green, but rather the sea of brown that is dormant Bermuda. The families crossing the fairways in carts share high fives, laugh, and turns at the wheel as they meander their way around the property. Spring is around the corner, and summer will bring the lush green that continues to provide excitement on the drive down golf course row. And another season of memories will await.